0: Hello everybody, welcome once again, as we continue on in our study of the New Testament. We're working through the New Testament one chapter at a time. We are um, in today, John chapter 15. We'll finish up John in the next uh, six weeks, and then we're going to go back and do the book of Luke. We've already done Matthew and Mark, but we're going to go back and do Luke's and uh, Luke, and then we're going to do Luke and Acts together, because they fit together, because the same guy wrote them, alright? And... And so uh, we, have, we have quite a bit mapped out for us. But like I said, it's, it's, I planned it out. It takes five years to do the New Testament, a chapter at a time. And then 15 years after that to do the Old Testament. And by then we will all be really on top of it. <laughs> um, in these chapters of John... And in 15, 16, 17, it started in the last one, the last couple. Um, We're a part of a conversation that Jesus is having with his closest disciples. Um, Judas is already gone. And Jesus is left with the guys that have uh, been with him, who know who he is, who um, believe and have faith. Um, We'll see that they still have a lot of questions because they... They're still having their paradigm challenged. They're still hoping that, that um, Jesus is about to take over politically. And he keeps telling them it's not and they don't understand. And, now, and he's been telling them that, that the crucifixion's coming and they haven't heard it. Now he's trying to prepare, him, prepare them all for what it'll be like when he's no longer with them. And you need to understand the dynamic for these men that have left everything. To follow him and have been with him now for three years, and he's directed them. He's told them where to go and what to do. Um, they've they've been in the presence of the Lord, and now he's he's telling them I, I've got to go, and they, they they're having trouble taking it in, and he's laying down the foundation in these chapters for what the community is going to be like once he's gone, and how they're to relate to God and how they're to relate to one another and he's begun to introduce the Holy Spirit uh, to be there with them and they 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 don't have a clue Uh, and and yet this is the sort of backdrop for what's happening in these chapters and and uh, what's taking place and and so you know I always try and read them I mean it's 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 at some level much easier to read them 2,000 years later when we feel like we sort of know what was taking place but try and think about um the guys when they were hearing all this stuff and and it was just kind of coming and they you know what does it mean and what's it look like and how's this going to work and i'm still fighting the paradigm that they had that he was and they were convinced that he would take over and reestablish the kingdom of david and yet he's telling them that's not going to happen on this journey and now we know that that these things get fulfilled in two separate streams. That he had to come as a lamb, which he did, and we've talked about. And then when he comes back the next time he comes as the lion, as the one who straightens everything out and puts it all back together. But this first time he came in order to reestablish relationship with us by going to the cross and paying for our sins. And so that was the the order of the day. He he came to um, his own, it says. You know, he, he came and he, he told the established religion uh, of the Pharisees that he was there and who he was. And he backed it up with signs and with wonders. And even though the, the elders and, and uh, teachers saw it and believed that the signs and wonders from God, they couldn't accept the message of Jesus. They refused to accept him as their Messiah. And they've hardened their hearts turned away and and pretty much everyone has except for this small group of guys that he's got um and there were some other folks scattered around who hung on because we know that uh at at when jesus finally uh, uh after he's resurrected and comes back and was with the guys when he leaves to go and ascends into heaven that there's about 120 people that have hung on uh and so it's a very you know when you think i always think about can you imagine three years of the ministry of Jesus and all the things that he did and, and the, changed the world forever? And, and yet the group was 120 at the end of that. I mean, it, it, it's mind-boggling. He had huge crowds all along the way, but they, they kind of were there to sort of see what was happening, but they never really accepted him for who he was. So all this is taking place. We're down to the last hours. And Jesus knows that. He's, he's teaching the disciples. He's, he's heading to the cross. And it's, it's upon him. And he's, he's, got a, um, he's, he's talking to his guys now. And, and you know, th- think about if you knew that you had a day left, two days left, the things that you would say would be pretty important, don't you think? I mean, you'd be wanting to say everything that you hadn't said and should have said. And, and Jesus is telling these guys what they need to hear. Um, because he's getting ready to go. And so, uh, let's uh, let's pick up the reading in uh, John chapter 15. And um, there's 27 verses today. So, it's in your notes, or you can read along with me if you want, if you have your Bibles. You can open them. There's Bibles in the pews there. Not really pews, whatever you call those rows of chairs. There's Bibles in the rows of chairs. I guess that would be the perfect wording for them. <laughs> Those things you're sitting on. Near you is a Bible. John chapter 15, verse 1 and following. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Now, however... They have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my Father as well. If I had not done among them what no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen these miracles, and yet they have hated both me and my Father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law, they hated me without reason. When the Counselor comes, whom I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth who goes out from the Father... He will testify about me, and you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. And blessed be the word of the Lord. All right, so this conversation is taking place between Jesus and the disciples. And I said, and he's he's talking about how this is all supposed to work, how it's going to work, um, and and how they're going to relate. To First off, to one another and with God. And um, this, this picture that he gives uh, of, of the vine and the fruit uh, is, is about this relationship. Um, because the life that he's calling us to, the life in, as in the community of, of the believers can only be lived in the context of relationship um, with Jesus and with the help and the power of the Holy Spirit. And th- this idea of living fruitful lives is-, is all about cooperating with what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us. And and the fruit, in the context that it's talking about here, is, is the-, the fruit that, that Paul describes uh, of the Spirit in, in Galatians 5 22 and 23 what we what he calls the fruit of the spirit it's it's fruit that's developed in the context of relationship with jesus and other believers and that verse is is this galatians 5 22 and 23 i I know it's not your notes but i will read it to you and you can look it up later it says but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control against such things there is no law this is the fruit of that's to be developed in the community of believers that that this is how we are to uh treat one another this is is these things should be the hallmarks of our character and lives and that that it's the the work of the holy spirit in us who is helping us to develop these characteristics that apart from him we can't develop this kind of fruit um, you just can't do it. Uh, and, and, and if you think about the context, um, love, the, the love that the Spirit develops in us is an unconditional love, not a selfish love. It's a love that is able to give without receiving. It's a love that um, isn't manipulative. It's a love that's not based on performance. It, it's a love that um, we, over time, and the patience of the Lord, He develops in us as we begin to understand Him and trust Him in those ways. But for most of us, the, the natural experience of love has not been that way. Um, it, it should be, but it's just not. It's, it's one of the fallouts of fallen world, broken planet stuff. Um, all of us have experienced generally a pretty selfish type of love, and, and it's what we often extend as love. And it's only by the power of the Spirit changing us that it can be to begin to change. And it's a process um, to learn to love like that. It's, a, it's fruit that's developed in relationship as we remain in Jesus and as we cooperate with the Spirit that we learn to love. Because um, all of us fall short in that area. As much as, and, and as well as, and extravagantly as some people do it, we, we all fall short. Because we, we still have selfishness in there. We still have some of that stuff that pops up we get we get fr- anybody here ever get frustrated <laughs> ain't it sometimes difficult to deal with other people I, I i'm just saying that that see this is the fruit that's developed over time joy um and, and it's not a the joy that that comes and even Jesus talks about the, the fact that, that in the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes, two of the neatest things that happen are peace and joy in our lives. It doesn't, it's not a type of joy that means it's not a, a fake, happy, skippy joy. It's, it's the real deal that comes even in the midst of difficulties that allows us to be settled. It doesn't mean that we, we, you know, we, we like how things are going. It just means that somehow deep down we've realized that we know that God's got us and He's going to see us through it. And even though we might question and feel those things, there's this, this joy that, that He has for us. It's the real deal. It's not um, beauty pageant joy. You've heard me describe that, haven't you? You know what beauty pageant joy is? Beauty pageant joy is displayed this way. When it gets down to the final two contestants, right? And, and one of them's going to win, and they announce the winner. When the other one acts all happy... <laughs> congratulations that's beauty pageant joy because what they're thinking is I hope you've done something really bad (laughs) that they're going to find out like the next week (laughs) well you you know that's what they're thinking (laughs) and it happens all the time don't it they're into it they hire somebody I think right away dig up some dirt on her I want to win yay let me fix that thing on your head A peace, the peace comes as it's developed. It comes from the Spirit, a peace that passes understanding that we can't find. This this world wants us; to, it makes us so anxious. Everything wants to stir up that anxiety in us. You know the, and it and we get programmed into it. I, I talk all the time about how, um, I, you know, I, for a long time, I I had turned off the news. I told you that was in October. 2008, I just quit because it had snuck into my life where it was always on, the stupid cable channels. And I was getting pounded with news, and it was always bad news. And it was impacting me. And I finally just said, no more. And I turned it off, and and every now and again I'll put on the news. I mean, it's not like I'm, I'm, you know, uh, going... And and every. I think, it's just terrible news. And they they play on your fears. And they try and stir up your anxiety. And everything's bad, always bad. And who needs that? Because I don't... I don't think that's how God wants us to live, afraid of everything and every day and every turn and, and take one story and, and talk about it for 16 hours when it took take 15 seconds and you'd be done. But, but so they stir this up. So, so we, the, the world doesn't know peace. But in, in Christ, in the Spirit, in, in abiding, we can know peace. Um, but it's developed over time. It doesn't happen right away. Patience. God's still working on us to become more patient. And you can't develop patience out of the context of relationship. You just can't. It happens in relationship. And, and this is the groundwork. Kindness. What impact could we have on the world if we really got a hold of What kindness looked like? Goodness. Just the desire to do the next right thing. A faithfulness. That says, God, you know what? I'm yours no matter what. A gentleness. That, that people would see us as a gentle people. And yet we get so hardened by the world. It's so, isn't it easy to be sarcastic instead of gentle? I mean, really, it just is. Because we get so hardened. And, and yet the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, wants to change us and develop this fruit. This is the fruit that's developed. This is what a fruitful life looks like. And, and it's what He's moving us towards, self-control. All of these things are, are talking about that. And that, that fruit is developed on a living vine. And apart from the vine, we cannot develop the fruit, or bear the fruit of the Spirit. Now, as we look at those first 17 verses in John, there's a couple of things that usually pop up. There's a lot, but there's a couple that I want to talk about. Um, it says in there, you know, that we have to remain in Him. And people say, what does it mean to remain in Him? And and to me, I think that it means that um, we, we learn and we obey His commands. That, that as we understand that, that we're to live the way He's called us to live, and we yield to the Spirit of God, and we understand His book, and we start to do this, we start to obey, even though oftentimes we want to do the opposite thing, um, as we learn to do that and stay connected then into the source of life, we begin to find life. And, and His Word then begins to shape, by the power of the Spirit, our characters and our personalities, and He changes us. I, my hope is that, that we're being changed. I, I see people... See, it's, it's easy to see the big dramatic changes in people. I love that. Don't, don't get me wrong. M- one of my favorite things about being here is that I get to witness big dramatic changes in people's lives. And it's, sometimes it just it's miraculous to me and it, it humbles me. And, and people will come huge, huge chunks. And, like, and you're like, it's amazing. And then, you know, but, but after that, generally the rest of us, it's a process. And my hope is that we can reflect back every six months or so and see that we've made some ground. That maybe we're a little more loving now. Maybe we're a little less sarcastic. Maybe we're a little more patient. Maybe, maybe we actually feel, you know, we can tell that we're being a little more gentle because the, the, the Lord is working in us. And if He's working in you like He does in me, he's, he's always sort of pointing out to me lovingly when I, when I catch an edge or when I have a thought, you know, about... about uh, I'll give you an example. You like that, right? So I pull into the church Monday. And I, I came in. And, and uh, there's nobody here on Monday. And I don't usually work on Monday either. But I usually come by just to make sure everything was off and down. And, and so I come by and I, I check the mail in the mailbox. And there's a letter in the mailbox. And it says, you know, to the pastor of the Vineyard Church on it. There's a stamp on it, but it didn't go through the post office. And it says, from your neighbor's. I'm like, oh no. (laughs) This is never good. Then, I opened it up, and and because I've received numerous things like this, I always look for a signature before I read it. Most of the time, if it's not signed, I throw it away. You need to know that. Because I figure, you know what? If they they can't sign it, I can't respond to it, and it's just going to frustrate me. And so... Nine times out of ten, I've just pitched those things. I just don't. But I felt, you know, and I was like, what do I do? And I felt simple letter I ought to read it. And and it really was, okay, they, it was just someone complaining about the fact that they're out here early in the morning on Sunday blowing off the driveways with the weed eater. Do you know the blower? Brrr, Sunday mornings, they're out there before seven, I think. And they blow off. And I, I can understand that it, it says, it was a pretty nice, it really wasn't a mean note, it just wasn't signed. And it said, you know, most of us work. It's the only day we can sleep in and you got this really loud thing going and, and some guy with a loud van comes in and... <laughs> so I'm sure it's not all of my neighbors, our neighbors. I'm sure it's one of our neighbors. And I sit there and look at the letter. And, and my initial reaction isn't, isn't good. Because <laughs> I think, they ought to be awaiting coming to church. <laughs> and then I think to myself... I should put out some church bells and start ringing them bad boys at 7 o'clock. It's a church. Ding, dong, ding. Ding, dong. But I hadn't prayed. (laughs) And I didn't say anything to anybody. And I sat there and I prayed. And I said, that's very neighborly, we probably shouldn't be out there that early in the morning with something running. And it's a very reasonable thing. And so uh, there was a time when I probably wouldn't have gotten there as quickly. (laughs) I see that as progress. (laughs) Ten years ago, there would have been church bells up there by now. What are those for? I feel it's the Lord. (laughs) Bing, bong, bing. (laughs) They'll be begging me for that weed eater. (laughs) But that would be wrong. So there's growth. But you get it, right? Okay. So, so we, we remain in Him. And, and, and then as we experience, because as, as we experience His goodness and His grace and His mercy, then we can extend it to others. It's not all about us. These, you know, the little things shouldn't get to us, and yet they do. And we need to be aware of it. And, and so the more that we sort of um, get to know Him and live in Him and, and abide in Him, He becomes more and more the center of our lives and His will becomes more and more what we're working and doing as well. And then another question that I usually get asked in those verses what does it mean to be thrown away? Well, what are they talking about there? You know, because that doesn't sound good. Does it? Um, I don't believe that's a salvation reference. Um, I believe it talks about a wasted life. That um, in Him we have access to moving into the life He's created us for a life of purpose and of meaning and that makes a difference and yet sometimes we just don't we get stuck in our own way i don't i don't mean that we've that we've left all the way but we don't we don't move into what we should have or where we would have really found life because we get sidetracked by what feels like life but leaves us empty and 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 it's sort of a you know it's a to me it's a picture of of if we if we allow that to happen, it's just sort of a wasted, burned up life that 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 and 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 you know even the branches burned thrown away. I mean they create warmth and heat for a while. They have a purpose, but it doesn't last. It's just quick and over, and that's not the way he wants us to live. That that we're 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 to live in a way that develops fruit, and that only happens as we stay in touch with him, and as we understand it's all about him and not about us, and we make these changes, and the spirit of God changes us over time, and so. Um, We we never experience the fullness of life that he has for us unless we remain in and abide in him. Uh, It goes on in the rest of those verses and from 18 to 27. And um, what happens is that as this is developed, this this community, um, the world um, often reacts to it with hatred. And, and it's a shocking thing. Now, um, what he's talking, what, what, what's happening there is that the, the reaction is that darkness hates the light because light exposes the darkness. And if we begin to live in community the way they're supposed to with God and others, um, we we begin to make a difference in a not in a self-righteous way, but just in a way that that the, it, it sets up a, a standard of some sort that the. The ministry of the Holy Spirit convicts people and then oftentimes his, as he's doing that, people confuse that. They confuse the church with his ministry and so they begin to hate the church because they don't understand the Holy Spirit. I read, I read somewhere um, some years ago on a survey, and I'm not making this up. I know that sometimes people make up these things, but I'm going to remember it. It was a Barna survey and 53% of born-again evangelical Christians didn't believe in the Holy Spirit. 53%. That the Holy Spirit is is real, he's part of the Trinity, and that he comes and lives within us. That that he's he's part of the package. Fifty three percent didn't believe that. And 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 so you know certainly the world doesn't doesn't get it. And yet the Spirit of God um, convicts people to draw them closer to the Lord, not to not to push them away, but to draw them closer. It's the conviction of the Spirit. Um, have you ever? Ha, you, and maybe you've even experienced this. So either you or you know somebody who, who was involved and sort of a part, and they've fallen away a little bit, and and they don't like hanging around the Christians anymore. You know what I mean? And and you say, you know, how come you haven't been at church? And well, and almost always it's because there's little something they shouldn't be doing that they've sort of slept in there, that snuck in there, and and then when they come, or if they get around to the Christians, they start to feel guilty and they want to blame those people, but it's just the spirit of God trying to draw them back. Saying whatever you got into is not good for you, and and our part isn't to be the Holy Spirit police and start pointing out all those people's stuff. They know what they're doing, but but it's part of what happens. Well, as we as we begin to make some sort of difference, at some level the world hates us because the world thinks that they'd be able to do anything they wanted if if it wasn't for the church. The church is sort of blocking just the free for all, although they're pretty much getting a free for all now anyway. So, um, but but. God's, we have to remember this, that God's left us here for a purpose, and, and it's to be His ambassadors, that, that we have a purpose here. And it's to let people trapped in that darkness, to know that there's a way into the light, which is Christ. But in that, we have to make sure we avoid the extremes, because it happens all the time in the church. Um, one extreme is that we, we we're here in the world, and all of a sudden we become so much like the world that no one can tell the difference. Romans 12:2. do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, perfect and pleasing will. So we need to be careful that we don't get consumed by uh, and conformed to the world in in this way. So so we're to love the people of the world, but we need to reject sort of the attitude and the values of the world that that don't reflect the Bible. So we have to hang that balance in there. And, and so we we, we got to be careful on one hand that we just don't become so much like the world that there's no difference. Um, at the same time, you know, I talk all the time. We need to be culturally relevant. We can't be so, you know, they can't. I think a lot of people can't come in and, and if they found us talking in a 400-year-old language, for me, that's hard to relate to a lot of people. And, and they look at you like, what are you talking about? I'm not picking on any group that does. I'm just saying we have differences. And so, there's, and, and so we do things a little different. Our music is a little different. We do some things. But our message is uncompromised in Christ. And, and I'm glad other people do it the way we do And I'm not judging that. I'm just saying um, there's, there's a balance. So we, we don't want to swing so far to the side of the world that no one can tell a difference. At the same time, we don't want to go to the extreme of withdrawing altogether. And and over the church history, a lot of times that's been some of the movement is that, well, the world is evil and it's perverse. And the best thing we can do is get away from it and just get out of it so that we're not um, contaminated by it. The problem was that Jesus never did that and he never told us to do that. He told us to stay in there and tell people and show people there's a difference. And so we, we have to maintain a balance in the process and at the same time we got to make sure we don't run to the extreme of becoming judgmental and critical and and you know just being the ones that say well this is bad and this is bad this is bad this is bad. that's not our job i think that you know we're we're to love that the, the context of this is that we love well we're to love other believers well we're to love the people in the world who don't know jesus yet we have to love them in we can't scare them in we can't guilt them in you have to love them in. and that that's the context of the new community it's eight o'clock i'm going to stop there Um, I don't know if anybody's upstairs. Barry, you may need to go and shut that down. If you're watching on video, thanks for watching. Up in Williston, guys, hi, everybody. And uh, uh, we look forward to seeing you. They're coming down for Easter. And if you uh, need anything, if you're watching just on the video on the Internet, call us, write us, let us know. But as for us, why don't you pass, pass me up your prayer requests, and I will pray for you, and we'll call it a night.